How's everybody doing? Very good. Excellent. On the podcast, that will just be me saying, how's everybody doing? And silence. <laughs> so, fantastic. Um, if you would, uh, in your Bibles, if you would turn to Luke, we're going to be in chapter 5 tonight. We also have it in your uh, worship guide, uh, printed out there in ESV, which is what I'm going to be reading from tonight. Uh, so, we're actually going to be looking at uh, some pretty, maybe for some of you, familiar stories. Uh, for others of you, this might be the first time you've, you've ever heard these. Um, I would imagine, for many of you, this is the first time you'll hear these three together. We're going to be looking at three uh, different stories in Luke chapter 5. And uh, because of that, we're, we're going to dig in uh, pretty fast, and, and hopefully uh, we're really going to listen to these stories with fresh ears. Uh, we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus healing the leper, Jesus healing the paralytic, and then Jesus calling the disciple Levi. And so we're going to be looking at all three of these together because I believe that Luke is trying to give us a picture here. He's trying to show us something. And so if you have a notebook and a pen, um, there are a couple of questions that I'm going to throw out as we progress on. And if you want to write those questions down, some of them we will answer as we, as we look at the text. Others, uh, I would really encourage you to think about these things after tonight. Um, Sometimes we just take a sermon and we just we listen through like for that 20 to hour and a half, however long the sermon might go. We, we listen to that sermon and then we just kind of let it, let it lie. Like a good song, we just kind of listen to it and then we, we move on to the next thing. And, and I'd really like to encourage you to take some of these things in, to ask these questions, to dig in deeply to this and, and to ask the tough questions. And if we do that, if we are here and we listen and we ask these questions, and if we are honest with ourselves, some of us might leave tonight grumbling. And so, look with me in chapter 5 of Luke, beginning with verse 12. And let's listen very carefully. This is the Word of God. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand, and he touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. When, they, when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, bring and pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. And after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for Your Spirit. And we just ask that Your Spirit would teach us in this time, that You would bring life into this place, that Your truth would grow so deep in our hearts. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear You tonight. And we beg these things in the name of Christ, and it's for His name among the nations that we ask. Amen. So, um, the challenge that I think Luke is presenting here is first and foremost, actually something that we looked at a couple of weeks ago when Jesus was at the temple, boy Jesus, at the temple. And that is this amazing thing that Jesus is probably different than we think He is. Now so often, I hear people and I even hear myself describing what Christianity is and what it's not. Who Jesus is and who He is not. We'll we'll talk about uh, what Jesus would do or buy And all of these things is trying to characterize who this Jesus is. And very often it has very little to do with with what Scripture tells us 
about Jesus. It has more to do with morality or our feelings or what we want Jesus to be like. And so when I ask you, who do you think this Jesus is, something, something is in your mind. You have some opinion as to who this Jesus is. And the, the challenge that Luke is giving us and the challenge that I want to extend to you tonight is who do you think this Jesus is? And if we dive into this substantial amount of Scripture here, that, that we would hopefully begin to see who He is. And maybe that would challenge what you think now. And so that first question, who do you think Jesus is? And first, the first scene that I want us to look at is the scene of the, the leper. Something that we need to know about lepers. Uh, leper uh, or leprosy in Scripture, it can mean a, a lot of different diseases. It could, it could mean various skin diseases. But one thing was true for people that were considered lepers. They were unclean. They were unclean. And there's this very tragic uh, description of lepers in Leviticus 5 that says that they would let their, hang, their, their hair hang low, that they would have to grow out their, their facial hair long, that they would wear rags, they had to live away from society, and when someone would accidentally come close to them, they had to, they had to let out this yell. Unclean! I mean, th- think about the life of this person as they are set aside from society and they have to call this out. Anytime someone dared come near them, just so they wouldn't, they wouldn't pass that disease on. And, and that life of being quarantined. And so that is the life that this man has lived. No job, begging, and no touching. And that makes sense, right? No one needs to touch a leper because they're unclean, and then they would become unclean. But here is this man. He hears that Jesus is coming through, and he makes his way into a crowd, which is rare. You're supposed to stay away from the crowds, and yet here he is rushing the crowd, rushing to where Jesus is, and he calls out. He fell on his face, it says. He fell on his face and he begged him. The word for beg there is the same as prayed. He prayed to this man, Jesus. And he said, if you will, you can make me clean. Look at that in verse 12. If you will, you can. You see, he is, he is acknowledging the fact that Jesus has the power to heal him. He's not questioning that. What he is questioning in this sentence is whether or not he will. Whether or not he desires to heal him. So the very first thing that he does as he falls on his face is he acknowledges the power, the power of Jesus. The word there in the Greek, the only reason I'll even say it is because you might even relate it to something that you've heard before, and that would be uh, dunamis, dynamite. Might be a word. This power, that's, that's where we get this word dynamite. He recognizes that he can. He is able. He has the power to do this healing. But will he? And so he calls out 
If you desire, I know that you can. And this is the first time he's met this. See, priests didn't have, uh, they, they weren't known as healers of the lepers. They would, they would recognize healing, they would uh, attest to it, they would look upon it, and then they would go through the ceremony of cleansing the person. But as far as healing them, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't common. And so here this interaction happens of healing the leper. And Jesus responds, verse 13, And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left Him. I mean, this is an amazing scene. He then tells Him to go and present Himself to the priest, to go through what Moses had commanded. And let me just read to you uh, briefly what Moses commanded. Leviticus 14. And this shall be the law of the, pers- of the leprous person on the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. And then, the most bizarre ritual takes place. If, you, if you've ever thought that uh, communion was kind of a weird thing, or baptism was a weird thing, person gets into water, goes underwater, comes out. If you thought that was odd in any way, what, the, what a leprous person had to do on a day of cleansing is insanity. He has to take two birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet yarn, and hyssop. One bird cut, blood drained. Then the other bird has to be sprinkled with the blood of the one that was just killed. And then that blood then has to be sprinkled on the leprous man seven times with the hyssop. And then he takes that now bloodied but alive bird into the wilderness and releases it in a very magical moment. But that signifies the fact that he is being released from this leprosy. He is clean. And then he also has to shave all the hair off of his body. Shave his head. It even says in Leviticus, shave your eyebrows. He has to shave every bit of hair off of his body. He goes through this ritual And then he's able to go back into the camp, but not into his tent to sleep. He has to sleep outside of the tent for seven days. And so for a week, he sleeps outside the tent. Then after that, the eighth day, he gets two male lambs and then a female lamb, has to take them and some flour, and he has to take that before, and then they sacrifice the lambs. And then, this is where it gets really strange, the blood has to go on his right earlobe, his right big toe, didn't know that big toe was in the Old Testament, big toe is referenced, the blood has to go on that, and, and then on his forehead, and then the oil, he has to take oil, big thumb, big toe, and then his earlobe, right earlobe, he has to go through all this, and then shave all the hair off his body again. Just in case eight days ago that wasn't enough, shave it again, take a bath, now you're clean. All of this has to be done for him to be pronounced clean and to go back to living this normal life with everyone, to go back into society. And all this begins with this simple exchange of him recognizing the power of Jesus. If you will, I know you can. And Jesus says, I will be clean. 
And all of this that he had to do, imagine every, every time he had to shave his head or his eyebrows or, or, or get the, the birds or whatever it might be. And there, he probably was poor, so he had, there, there were other rules for that as far as what could be substituted. Lesser animals. But how much joy he did this with. How joyful he was when he rushed back and he knew that he could shave his head and he could get these birds and he could have the blood put on him. As the blood is being put on him, imagine the happiest person possible. He's clean. Jesus has done this for him. He recognized the power of Jesus. But also keep in mind what Jesus did as He healed him. Probably for the first time in a very, very long time, someone touched Him. How many years had it been since someone reached out and touched Him? And with this touch came healing. See, even to touch someone that was unclean, I mean, it was considered sinful. I mean, Jesus here, go, He breaks through this Mosaic command not to even touch someone that's unclean. And He places His hand on him and brings that healing. The power of Jesus demonstrated to the leper, the one who is unclean. Now, if you would look at the next scene that Luke gives us, starting with verse 17. In this, we get the story of these friends. Jesus has continued to heal people. And even from this last story, this last scene of the leper being healed, this story has gone out. Because if that was you, if you had spent years as a leper and no one talking to you, touching you, being near you, if this changed, you would tell this story. And so the story began to grow and grow of what Jesus was doing. And so now it says in verse 17, people from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem start making their way to Jesus And these men wanted to bring their friend. They wanted to bring their friend to Jesus. And once they got to where Jesus was, they saw there was no way that they could get in there. And if you've heard this story before, this is people love to tell this one to, to, to little kids. Maybe because of the action of them like cutting the roof or doing something like that. But it's this wonderful visual of someone bringing someone else to Jesus. This desperate hope in Jesus. And they lower him down. And this process probably took a while. I'm sure that they were interrupted pretty early on before he actually landed there in front of them. This process began where they're working to get him down. And then the friends, they're up there, but they don't, they're not the ones coming down. It's just this guy riding a bed down, lowered in the midst And these friends not letting anything stand in the way of getting their friend in front of this Jesus. They were desperate. And when He came down, I don't know if we can think of Him being all that happy. I think that He was probably embarrassed. 
this spectacle that was having to, to, to come about, interrupting all these important people in their important meeting where Jesus is teaching important things and He shows up. But His friends are determined. And it says that when Jesus saw their faith, He then says to the man, Your sins are forgiven. That's great. That's great. Still on the bed. Not actually what I came here for. I came here for healing. That's not the most important thing right now. And Jesus says, no, it is. This is the most pressing thing right now. See, more than any circumstance that might be going on, more than any, anything that you might be experiencing right now in your life, Jesus is saying, no, that's actually not the most important thing. And I know for, for many of you that's probably very hard to hear. That you would lift up some area of your life and so say, no, this, this actually is the most important thing going on right now. This is consuming my attention. This is consuming my time. This is the most important thing. And Jesus says, I understand why you would think that, but it's not. And Jesus gives the attention to the most pressing thing in this man's life. And He extends to him forgiveness. And this throws everybody off. You see, healing is not that offensive. Healing, healing benefits everybody. Even the friends were like, hey, this is, we, we can benefit from this. I mean, we've been carrying our friend around, and now, now he, will, he will walk. I mean, if he, if he is healed, then, then this is beneficial to all of us. But forgiveness, that's, that's a lot trickier. That's a lot more offensive. And so these men, these scribes, these leaders, they start wondering in their hearts, who is this man? Who is this Jesus that extends forgiveness to someone? Side note, someone that didn't even ask for it. That's tricky. That's tricky. And he sees faith, not, not necessarily from this man, but even from his friends. This is tricky. And Jesus extends forgiveness to show his authority. So we have seen his power with the leper, and now we are seeing his authority with the paralyzed man. His authority on earth displayed to forgive sins. And then he says, why do you think these things in your hearts? Why, why do you turn these things over in your hearts that, that you would think that I am being blasphemous? They say, who can forgive sins but God? And he says, you're right. Who can forgive sins but God? Which is easier, to say that you are healed and walk, or is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Well, one of them is a lot easier to recognize. It's a lot easier to prove that someone can walk, that someone's been healed, because you can look at them and say they have been healed. But to say that they have been forgiven, that that's a lot more difficult. And so Jesus says, to prove this, to prove that He has been forgiven of His sins, to prove my authority, I will say, 
And he turns to the man and says, take up your bed and go. Walk. And it says that the men there, the men that are watching this happen, they are seized by amazement. They are taken by wonder at who this Jesus is. They are taken aback. Even it says that they are fearful. Phobos, phobia, fear came to them as they saw who this Jesus is. It was great when he was a prophet and he was saying all these good things. It it was even good when he was coming around and healing people. That That was fine. But now he is stepping into a divine role, something God alone does. That is a lot more complicated. And so we continue with the call of Levi. Verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Now the tax collectors, they worked for Rome. So here's a Jewish man working for Rome. That's the worst possibility. There's a phrase for this. It's called turncoat. Whatever the situation comes up, whatever, whatever is best for them, they'd go for that way. You see, the, the tax collectors were very wealthy. They'd skim off the top a little bit. And if you, if you follow in this text, it says that he goes and prepares this big feast at his house. And all of his friends were there. And his friends were tax collectors. You know, who, the only person that's a tax collector's friend is a tax collector. That's that's all you can get. That's the community that you have. Because you're going to be shunned by everybody else. Here's this Jewish person. Here's a Hebrew that's working for Rome, stealing from us. And this is in Galilee. This is uh, one thought is that this is happening near the Sea of Galilee, and he was probably working the port where the boats would come in. He was taxing the fishermen. Earlier in 5, we just found out that Jesus just called some disciples. They were all fishermen. The people that probably hated Levi the most were just called to be disciples of Jesus. And here Jesus calls him out and says, follow me. Can you imagine the tension within the disciples when this guy is called? It's got to be something like the scribes who are saying, how dare you? First, you're going to start healing people. That was fine. That was beneficial to our whole community. Then you start giving forgiveness out. Well, you gave it to the paralyzed man, and that was kind of a nice scene. It freaked us out, but it was still nice. But now, now you're going to start issuing forgiveness out. You're you're going to enter into a relationship with a tax collector? This is incredible. There is this progression. First it was healing, then healing and forgiveness. And now this this relationship and forgiveness with Levi of all people. Why him? This is a very dangerous progression. And now they have gone from being amazed at his 
power and authority to being angered by it. This is a turning point in the story. There is a a retelling of this in Matthew, which Matthew is Levi. He was the one experiencing this phenomenal following of Jesus. And when he tells it, he, he adds this phrase that I think might unlock this progression that we've been seeing in Luke, where Jesus says to the scribes and the Pharisees, when they say, who, who do you think you are giving forgiveness, giving, entering into relationship? Because if you ate at a table with somebody, that, that was signifying friendship. How would you eat with these people? How would you be friends with these people? And when Jesus says that He came not to call the righteous, but the unrighteous, the sinners to repentance, there's another phrase that's actually used in Matthew. And let me read it to you. He says to them, Go. Go, scribes and Pharisees, you leaders. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Here are these men, these unclean men, the leper, the the paralyzed man, Levi, these sinners. And he says, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. These are words from Hosea, where God says, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. See, this is where we, as Christian people, as the church, this is where we get bound up real tightly. So tight that we would we would not show mercy because we're so busy being religious. We are so good at being Christians that we forsake Christ Himself. We are so good at this. I am so good at this. I can lead people on for a long time. On your worship guide, there is this... uh, Perhaps if you didn't know the song, a very bizarre line from a Sufjan Stevens song called John Wayne Gacy Jr. John Wayne Gacy Jr., not John Wayne, but John Wayne Gacy Jr. was a serial killer. Awful. I read what I'm believing to be true on Wikipedia. (laughs) I'm guessing to be true. I got a hunch that it might be right. Uh, and don't, don't, don't go home and do that. Don't. If you want to sleep at night, don't read it. Um, it's horrible. It's horrible. But he, he killed a lot of people. And they're actually buried underneath his floorboards. And Sufyan says this line. Of, on my best behavior, on my best day, and me performing at the very best of my ability, I'm, I'm really still a lot like him. Look beneath the floorboards of the secrets I have hid. You see, if we start to see the unclean people all around us, and we are so afraid of becoming unclean ourselves that we won't even touch them, who is this Christ you claim to be your Savior? Who is that Jesus? Is this the Jesus of the Scriptures? If we are so burdened by staying clean, 
that we would not come up against the sinners of our world. See, this is why I said this is a very complicated bit of Scripture here. Because we have to challenge who we think this Jesus is. See, we, we as people, as, as Christians, we often are so unwilling to participate in the great mercy of God. Because just like the Pharisees, we are wrapped up, we are bound up by this religious trivia, as John Piper likes to call it. Religious trivia, these, these things that we must do. This obsessive compulsive behavior that really has no purpose, but we have to do it. I'm just going to focus on doing all these right things in church and be a good Christian in these things, but we will not step beyond and touch the unclean. We are far too busy, busied up with boycotting Disney because of parades than to make friends with a homosexual person. We are far too wrapped up in these things. Maybe even social justice. Too wrapped up in social justice to see the gospel of Jesus. See, this is mercy that is much, much greater. And it's a challenge. It's been been a challenge to walk in these three scenes the past couple of days in preparation. Because this means this Jesus is much, much, much too different than the one I have in my mind. The one that wants to keep me clean and separate and pure and insular and safe. You see, we grumble. We grumble with these Pharisees. When Jesus would cross that line, to dine with sinners just like me. See, that's, that's the trick. That's the trick that this whole clean, unclean thing plays on us. And really the, the question that Jesus puts to these Pharisees, I came not, not for the healthy, but for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the unrighteous. And so to walk away from that and be like, oh, well, good. Jesus is going to be over there with the unrighteous people. Let's get all the righteous people together. We'll put a steeple on top and we'll just hang out until the end comes. Right? And then everybody else can be left behind with Kirk Cameron and we're just going to, we're going to head on our own way and we're just going to, we're going to, one glad morning when this life is over, we're just, I'll fly away. I Just get me out of here as soon as possible. If we could do that now, get me out. But where is Jesus in this? Where is the Jesus that Luke is telling us to look at? He's forcing us to see the one that steps beyond to touch the unclean because he knows his cleanliness is not at stake. That's not what's at stake. We know that entering into these conversations with people very different than ourselves, it's it's not a fearful venture. That's not, that's not what we're getting into here. We're going to blur the lines and lose our salvation and lose ourselves. That's, that's not what we're talking about. 
But it's going into those places, knowing our cleanliness comes from Christ alone, and living with love amongst the unclean. To touch those that have not been touched in years. To love them, despite the grumbling we might hear. And when we do that, we have seen Jesus in His full power, His full authority, and His full compassion. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Pray with me. Father, every time we come to Your Word, we we should recognize just how different You are. How other You are. How holy You are. And how we are not holy. Father, challenge us to step out of our safe communities. And to go to those that have been marginalized, those that have been pushed aside, to love them with such a fierce and holy love that we would cause the self-righteous to grumble. That we would cause them to say, why would they dine with sinners? And that keeping the gospel central, we would see people move from sinner to repentance. We thank you again for your word, and we just ask that you would continue to turn the truths over from your word in our hearts, that your spirit would teach us as we go from this place, that that we would respond to who you are. Challenge and change us to be more like your Son. We pray this in the strong name of Christ. Amen.